0: DiscerningHearts.com, in cooperation with the Oblates of the Virgin Mary, presents the Letters of Saint Therese of Lisieux with Father Timothy Gallagher. Father Gallagher is a member of the Oblates of the Virgin Mary, a religious community dedicated to retreats and spiritual direction, according to the spiritual exercises of Saint Ignatius of Loyola. He is featured on several series found on the Eternal Word Television Network. He is also author of numerous books on the spiritual teachings of Saint Ignatius of Loyola and the Venerable Bruno Lanteri, founder of the Oblates of the Virgin Mary, as well as other works focused on aspects of the spiritual life. The Letters of Saint Therese of Lassu with Father Timothy Gallagher. I'm your host, Chris McGregor.
1: This next letter brings us to just about one year before Therese's death. So she's 23 at this point. And it's a letter to Sister Marie of St. Joseph, who is 38 years old at this point. Let's read a description of Sister Marie of St. Joseph. She was a very difficult sister, she had a very difficult childhood. There was a goodness in her, but there was also a violent temper, mood swings, and so forth. And because of that, the sisters tended to avoid her. So this is from Marie, Therese's sister, Marie's deposition uh, in the cause of canonization where she describes Sister Marie of St. Joseph. This sister was subject to the blackest moods and did scarcely any work. I saw her when Sister Therese was already an invalid, come to her to call for the week's linen. Therese had volunteered, no one else wanted to approach the sister. And Therese's heart always went out to, to the difficult people, to the suffering people. You know, Therese is the patron of the missions, and so her gaze reaches out to those who are very distant from her, wanting to bring them close to Christ. But her gaze also fell on those who were the nearest to her. And she saw the needs, and she would approach them. With incredible insensitivity, the follow happens. I saw her, when Sister Therese was already an invalid, come to her to call for the week's linen, which she had given her to repair. And because Sister Therese had not been able to complete her task, the sister reproached her severely, instead of thanking her for what she had done in spite of being so ill. So this is Sister Marie of St. Joseph. Sister Therese took the reproaches as if they were so much praise. This poor, unfortunate sister became the object of Sister Therese's tenderest compassion. One day, when I had confided to her how much trouble that sister gave me, the servant of God, Therese, said, Ah, if you only knew how necessary it is to forgive her, how much she is to be pitied. It is not her fault she is so poorly gifted. She is like an old clock that has to be rewound every quarter of an hour, just so emotionally needy. Yes, it is as bad as that. Well, wouldn't you have pity on it? Oh, how necessary it is to practice charity toward one's neighbor. And Therese also recognized and appreciated the good qualities that Sister Marie of St. Joseph had, and they're listed here. a Tenderness, good memory, fine singing voice, And it pained Therese to see Sister Marie of St. Joseph ostracized by the rest of the community. And so she resolved to move closer to her. I will say that eventually the mental, emotional mood swings and temper and so forth of Sister Marie of St. Joseph were diagnosed by a doctor as a form of mental disability that was just incompatible with religious life. And so, when she was 51, she was obliged to leave the convent. She lived for another 26 years uh, before her death. And she always remembered Therese with fondness. Always followed the uh, cause of canonization. Stayed in contact with the uh, with the Carmel. Well, what Therese did, I think we'd have to say pretty heroically, was she volunteered to help Sister Marie of Saint Joseph in the linen room, which was where she worked alone because no one, they were afraid of her. Uh, They didn't want to be the uh, subject of her violent temper and uh, the speech and all that would go with it. And we have a series of just brief notes that Therese writes to Sister Marie of St. Joseph at this time, and I'm only going to read one of them. And they're in sort of childlike, childish almost language, and Therese really takes the uh, the role of a mother, Uh, concerned for Sister Marie, is she sleeping well? Striving to take that combative spirit which Sister Marie of St. Joseph has, and to move that towards spiritual combat, to help her try to offer her struggles and so forth for the good of souls, for the good of the Church. So this is one of these letters that she writes to Sister Marie of St. Joseph. And you know, this allows us to, to highlight one of these qualities of Therese. I think we'll return to this later on. When there were suffering, difficult people around her, people that everybody else tended to avoid, she was the one who would take the initiative to approach them. I mentioned they had these this recreation times twice a day when they could sit together and just freely converse. It was her practice, the others noted it, and you see it in the cause of canonization to choose to sit next to the ones that nobody else wanted to sit next to. So much so that one of these sisters saw convinced that Therese uh, was really a a great friend, that they were great friends. Therese did this so naturally, so easily, without any sign of struggle. Well, without any sign of struggle. She's the one of whom Therese said, sometimes the only thing I can do is just leave her because it's just too difficult for me. And then she'd come back when she was more able again. So she writes to Sister Marie of St. Joseph. I am delighted with the little child. Now, this is one of these letters where Therese uses the third person and metaphor. If we noticed, for example, when she wrote to her childhood playmate, Celine, there's none of that kind of language. It's very direct. It's the kind of language her mother would have written. So Therese, depending on the recipient, will adopt a different style of writing. And here, it's that third person and metaphor. I am delighted with the little child, which is to say, I'm really happy with what I've seen in you. And the one who carries her in his arms is still more delighted than I. The Lord just loves what he's seen in you. Ah, how beautiful is the little child's vocation. Who else was speaking to Sister Maria of St. Joseph like this? She was pretty universally simply avoided. And here is this fellow sister just saying, I'm so delighted to see the goodness in you, and Jesus sees it more than I. It is not one mission that she must evangelize, but all missions, and that is. Offer your struggles and sufferings for the missions, for the apostolate of the Church. How will she do this? So how are you, Sister, with your personal struggles in the laundry room, going to offer something for the far-flung missionary work of the Church? And she answers, how will she do this? By loving, by sleeping, because uh, Sister Maria of St. Joseph had struggles with that, and Therese will often gently hope and encourage her to get the sleep that she needs. And then this next is capitalized by throwing flowers to Jesus when he is asleep. Now, there's something very profound behind this, this throwing flowers. In the French, je des fleurs, which is a phrase that uh, Therese uses often. And let's just take a moment to look at her, describe what she means by this in the story of a soul, because this is a very profound piece of her little way. So the image is... Well, Therese did this as a child. They would, um, on the Corpus Christi procession, she and the other little girls, they'd be dressed in like their white dresses and they'd be given flowers and they would cast these flowers into the air along the road before the priest would come by with the Blessed Sacrament. Therese loved flowers. Uh, If you read her letters, flowers come back all the time in, uh, in her writing. One of her joys was that she thought in entering Carmel that she was really giving up any contact with flowers, the flowers that she would go with her father and go walking out in the fields and he'd be fishing, she'd be picking flowers as a a little girl. And then to her delight found that uh, people were constantly making gifts of flowers to the Carmel so that flowers were an abundant presence in her life. Well, she says, the little child, meaning herself, will strew flowers. She will perfume the royal throne with their sweet scents and she will sing in her silvery tones the canticle of love. Now, what she's referring to here is her own sense of her weakness and her imperfections. Here are the great saints. Think of Teresa of Avila and John of the Cross and Francis of Assisi. Uh, As she'll say say elsewhere, these are the, the mountaintops, and she sees herself just as a little grain of sand. Her own life is so small. She sees her weakness and her struggles. Well, what can I do then? Well, the little child we'll throw flowers, we'll cast flowers upon the throne of the Lord Jesus. So there you get it, just an image or just a brief perspective on this kind of flowery metaphorical language that Therese uses. It's always necessary to see what she's saying through that. The language is flowery, it can be sentimental, it can be childish at times, but the reality is, um, is rock, is solid, is deep, is rich. So now she explains, she's speaking to Jesus. This is in the manuscript B, the second part of the story of a soul. What's now chapter 9? Yes, my beloved, this is how my life will be consumed. I have no other means of proving my love for you other than that of strewing flowers. All right, what does that mean? That is, not allowing one little sacrifice to escape. Not one look, one word, profiting by all the smallest things and doing them through love. Now, we're right at the heart of her little way here. I can't do great things for you. I'm not in the missions. I'm not being martyred. I haven't written great scholarly works, preached before multitudes. I'm just a humble little 24-year-old woman uh, living with 20 other women in a carmel that very few people even know of, working in the linen room, Uh, preparing meals, helping out in the sacristy, decorating as best I can, sacred objects, uh, painting them. I can't do great things for you, but what I can do is to cast flowers. Now, as I've said so often in these conversations, it doesn't take uh, much contact with Therese to touch the heroic, and it's right here. That is, by not allowing one sacrifice to escape. And her sisters were witness to this, that she, every opportunity that she could find to go out of her way to help someone, to give up something that someone else wanted, to smile at the last person that she wanted to smile to, and so forth, she took advantage of all of these little occasions. The little way is only little in that the things that we do are ordinary, but it is not little in love and not little in fruitfulness. It's heroic, actually, uh, in these. What if we could even dream of living like that in our daily life at home, or at work, or in the parish, or in the community, not allowing one little sacrifice to escape? I have a task to do. Here's a person who approaches me with a little sinking of my heart. He or she's going to want some time. What if we didn't allow one, even smallest, sacrifice to escape? Not one look that could encourage another person. Uh, a smile. One word. Hey, I, I noticed you did that and uh, I really liked it. I saw you playing soccer and boy, you had a nice move there. Whatever, whatever it might be, profiting by all the smallest things and doing them through love. What if that were an image of how we lived in the home or in the community or in the parish or in the workplace? It's an image of heroic sanctity. And here's the thing, all of us can do it. There's nothing stopping any of us from doing it. We can't do the great things. We're not St. John Paul II traveling the world or Mother Teresa starting a new religious order, drawing the attention of the entire world upon herself. But we can all do what Therese is teaching us here. All right, then the first thing that comes to mind is, yes, but she was heroically holy. I'm weak. I I can't do that kind of thing. And her answer would be, I was no stronger than you. All I have is weakness. But if you open yourself to Jesus, let his strength begin to work in you, then this is possible for all of us. We'll come back to some of this a bit later on. But this is what she means by casting flowers.
0: We'll return to the letters of Saint Teresa of Lisieux with Father Timothy Gallagher in just a moment. Did you know that Discerning Hearts has a free app where you can find all your favorite Discerning Hearts programming? Father Timothy Gallagher, Dr. Anthony Lillis, Monsignor John S. of, Deacon James Keating, Father Donald Haggerty, Mike Aquilina, Dr. Matthew Bunsen, and so many more—they're all available on the free Discerning Hearts app. Over 3,000 spiritual formation programs and prayers, all available to you with no hidden fees or subscriptions. Did you also know that you can listen to Discerning Hearts programming wherever you download your favorite podcasts, like Apple Podcasts, Google Play, iHeartRadio, Spotify, even on Audible, as well as numerous other worldwide podcast streaming platforms. And did you know that Discerning Hearts also has a YouTube channel, Be sure to check out all these different places where you can find Discerning Hearts Catholic Podcasts, dedicated to those on the spiritual journey. A prayer for the intercession of Venerable Bruno Lanteri. O Father, fountain of all life and holiness. You gave Father Bruno Lanteri great faith in Christ your Son, a lively hope and an act of love for the salvation of his brethren. You made him a prophet of your word and a witness to your mercy. He had a tender love for Mary and by his very life he taught fidelity to the church. Father, hear the prayer of your family and through the intercession of Father Lanteri, Grant us the grace for which we now ask. May He be glorified on earth that we may give You greater praise. We ask this through Your Son, Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen.
1: Discerning Hearts provides content dedicated to those on the spiritual journey. To continue production of these videos, prayers, and more, go to discerninghearts.com and click the donate link found there or inside the free Discerning Hearts app to make your donation. Thanks, and God bless.
0: We now return to the letters of St. Therese of the Sioux with Father Timothy Gallagher. Could be said, couldn't it, that offering up of those moments, that we really are suffering. It's little sufferings. I mean, we think of the big ones where if we have an illness or maybe a car breaks down or there's something going on at at work or something like that, the big aches. But it's also suffering the smile as someone you really don't want to smile, the the possible engagement in conversation you really don't want to talk to. It's doing those types of things. It's a suffering, isn't it?
1: Well, of course, yes. And, And we've said this before that for Therese, suffering is what really drew her. And you can see uh, that it's not, as you said before, it's not a masochistic kind of thing. It's, as always with Therese, it's other-centered. It's a way to love Jesus and to love the people that Jesus has placed in her life and the joy that this brings. You know, Therese's convent, when she entered it and during her life, had a lot of struggles within it. There were divisions within it. There were these difficult sisters. The mother prioress, who was the prioress for most of the years of Therese's life, would change things on a whim. The sisters hardly ever knew whether she wanted this or that. There were a lot of struggles. Therese was given in an assistance role the training of the uh, sisters who were novices. There were five of them eventually. After Therese's death, the convent dramatically changed. Her training of the younger generation fed something new into the convent, And as the fame of Therese's sanctity began to spread and the sisters began to realize that the Carmel was completely transformed, and then floods of new vocations wanting to come of a high caliber drawn by the sanctity, these efforts that Therese made, these hidden little efforts to help a sister in the linen room or to smile when she didn't feel like it and so forth, were really transformative. They uh, completely changed uh, the Carmel. So there's great power in them when we do these kinds of things.
0: And I think the value of this emphasis, or and we, because we've mentioned it several times in a series of conversations so far, is that the ultimate act of suffering is Christ on the cross, when we gaze upon that. And it's at the very heart of our Christian experience. And yet, it, it seems as... Like, we we don't want to enter into those bigger things, or we blame God when those things come up, or we rail in some ways. And as you've always said, you know, we don't want to suffer. It's don't ask God for suffering. But by doing and understanding that every moment, the act of our will to love, that when we have these little moments of these little sufferings, it helps build the foundation so that when the medium size and then the bigger size, come along. You already are, are acting in love with him. He's there in every moment so that when the big things do happen, you don't believe the lie of the enemy that you're alone. And then it's useless.
1: And most of life really is these small things. So casting flowers, as I've said, Teresa often uses metaphors like this. And of course, flowers are very dear to her. We can all do that. that. That's her sense. I'm too weak to do the great things, but I can cast flowers. I can smile at this person or the, the various things that we're saying. A memory is coming to me as we're talking about this. Uh, I was working with um, seminarians for many years. this particular point, there was a seminarian. He walked with a bit of a limp, so there was some kind of physical struggle there in him. Life in the seminary had been pretty hard for him. I don't know, he was maybe at midpoint in seminary at this time. Where we were, there was an exercise room, and at one point I, I walked into it, and there he was uh, using one of these machines. Something in me, just knowing a little bit about him, you know, I wasn't working directly with him, but just seeing him about in brief conversations, led me to think that he would probably appreciate it if I just said hello. So I just uh, very briefly stopped and... uh I said, hi, nice to see you doing this, smiled, and went on to do my own exercise. Sometime later, he told me what that had meant for him. It was one of the high points for him that somebody had taken time just to notice him, uh, just smile like that. Now, what if we could live like that? What if I could live like that? I mean, that one I noticed. How many do I miss? You know, it's all around us, casting flowers. And out of that tapestry, yes, not only will we we spread joy around us, but as you've just said, we'll be more and more ready for the bigger things when they come
0: and I think that that's the tremendous value of it, even what what you're doing right now, Father Gallagher, and breaking this open for everyone because it is a a way of living i th- I think sometimes that in the case of St therese Unfortunately, someone, see, and we've talked about this before, but they see her as almost a Pollyanna type of way of living out the life. And yet it's completely opposite. And that, you know, women can understand this because we're talking about flowers, but somehow this doesn't relate to men because men have bigger and stronger problems or something like that. I mean, you know, it's of a different nature. It does take a heroic spirit. Maybe even more courage and more of a heroic nature for men.
1: Small things do not mean unheroic things. And I'd say even most of our heroism, like Therese, will be lived in the small daily things because that's what most of life is. The heroic points. You know, Thomas More is a martyr. But all of that was prepared by the way he lived and prayed and associated, you know, worked with the honesty, the love for his family, and so on, day in and day out. So the fact that we don't have things that are going to be put in the daily news at the Vatican or something like that in our lives does not mean that we are constrained to live without heroism. All of us are called to heroic sanctity, Vatican II. And this is the beauty of what Therese is teaching is, "You can do this. Everyone, if I could do it, who is so small and so limited, and, uh, and if Jesus could do this in me, he can do it in you. This way, this little way is a heroic way. It's a demanding way. It calls for sacrifice. It will call for loving until it hurts, not missing one small opportunity to sacrifice, to smile to say the word that the person needs but it's possible and it is incredibly fruitful and it's what we're here in the world to do.
0: And as an, another little one has said if you feel it as though you missed the mark on occasion don't be discouraged but begin again.
1: Begin again. Venerable Bruno. All right now Therese goes on to explain this a bit more what she means by casting flowers. I desire to suffer for love, and even to rejoice through love. And in this way I shall cast flowers before your throne. I shall not come upon one without unpeddling it for you. Not one. While I am casting my flowers, I shall sing. So I'm not going to make these sacrifices in a dour, grim, unhappy way, but I'm going to do it joyfully. For could one cry while doing such a joyous action? I shall sing even when I must gather my flowers in the midst of thorns. So there you get it again. The language is, well, literally flowery, metaphorical. But what's being said is anything but flowery. This is a woman of spiritual steel. I'm not going to, even if I have to cast flowers in the midst of thorns, when the sister comes to me and berates me, when I'm an invalid, not many months apart from my dying from an illness which is consuming me and berates me that I didn't get the Laundry mended, I'll smile. Or as uh, her sister said, take it as so much praise. So gathering flowers in the midst of thorns, and my song will be all the more melodious in proportion to the length and sharpness of the thorns. This is really heroic stuff. O oh, Jesus, of what use will my flowers be to you? Great question. These little sacrifices, of what value are they? Why do them? I know very well that this fragrant shower, these fragile, worthless petals, these songs of love from the littlest of hearts will charm you, they will be beautiful in the eyes of God. Yes, these nothings will please you. they will bring a smile to the church, triumphant heaven will rejoice in them. She will gather up my flowers, the church, so this is the church dispensing the grace of her children. She will gather up my flowers unpedaled through love, and have them passed through your own divine hands, O Jesus. And this church in heaven, desirous of playing with her little child, again the metaphors, will cast these flowers, which are now infinitely valuable because of your divine touch, raised up to Jesus, mingled with the power of his grace, and will cast them upon the church suffering, so many needs throughout the world, so many people, in order to extinguish its flames, and upon the church militant in order to gain the victory for it. That is, these hidden little efforts that I make, raised up to God, united with the power of His grace, will bring forth a shower of blessings upon the church, upon those who are suffering and struggling, in the church and in the world. All right, so that's a fairly lengthy excursus on uh, on throwing flowers, because this is what she's trying to say to Sister Maria of Saint Joseph.
0: Oh, but this is really at the heart in so many people's experience of Saint Therese. I mean, that the whole. F- flower motif, as it were. We see it in every image. We hear it Saint to us, the little flower. That's what so many people still refer to her as. And so I think it's very important that we we understand this.
1: Very much so. Of course, she uses flowers in various ways. She refers to herself as the little flower. Remember that white flower that her father plucked and gave her, in which she saw the image of her own life so flowers have, uh, have various connotations for her, but this is one key one, and that's this image of casting flowers before the throne of the Lord Jesus. Yes, the, the letters are really rich in that in the story of a soul, you get the teachings in some sense in its pure form. Here you see it lived as she relates to other people. So she says, how, how are you, Sister Marie of St. Joseph, in your circumstance, is going to help the mission of the entire church by loving, well, by sleeping when you should be sleeping, by throwing flowers to Jesus when he is asleep, asleep. Then Jesus will take these flowers and giving them an inestimable value, so that's exactly what she said in the story of a soul, he will throw them in his turn. Actually, you should note here that Therese has a whole poem. One of her poems is on uh, casting flowers and he will throw them in his turn. He will have them fly over all shores and will save souls, with the flowers, with the love of the little child, who will see nothing but will always smile even through her tears. A child, speaking of Sister Marie, a child, a missionary, even a warrior. What a marvel. So this is just one of the series of encouraging notes that Therese wrote to the sister who was so difficult.
0: You've been listening to the letters of Saint Teresa of Lisieux with Father Timothy Gallagher. To hear and/or to download this conversation, along with thousands of other spiritual formation programs, visit discerninghearts.com. This has been a production of Discerning Hearts in cooperation with the Oblates of the Virgin Mary. I'm your host, Chris McGregor. We hope that if this has been helpful for you, that you will first pray for our mission. And if you feel us worthy, consider a charitable donation, which is fully tax-deductible, to help support our efforts. But most of all, we hope that you will tell a friend about DiscerningHearts.com and join us next time for The Letters of St. Therese of Lisieux with Father Timothy Gallagher.